0: Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael De Silva and I am your host for episode 48. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Josh Smith on a message entitled, Jesus, Closer Than You Think? If you are a believer or an unbeliever, I think you will find this message searching, but also very helpful. You see, we all deal with serious problems. Josh has personal life experiences to back up that claim. However, living your life without the remedy is painful and impossible. Josh is going to share with you how Jesus is truly closer to you than you might think. Hello and thank you for tuning into this podcast today. My name is Josh Smith and it's a privilege to be able to record these words from uh, the Bible, from the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 8. And if you want to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 8, we're going to start reading at verse 31. And uh, if you just are using technology, you can turn on. Uh, your app to the Bible verses that we're going to read. Or if you're like me and you're driving in the car listening to a podcast or mowing the lawn or going for a run or something like that, you can just listen and we'll read these verses together. But really what I want, would like to get across is that the Lord Jesus Christ is not a Savior that is far away and somewhere up in the distant heavens having done what he has come to do, although he did, but he is also a Savior who is with us in a very personal way. And he has gone through uh, so much. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he is able to sympathize with the things that we go through, um, even as our great high priest. And so we appreciate him for that. And I think the goal of this podcast is to know the Lord Jesus better. And in knowing him, I mean, after all, he says in John 17, this is life eternal, that we might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And if we know the Lord Jesus, then we're going to know God. Now, I can remember being 34 years old and going in for my very first chemotherapy session. In the morning of that session, I got a text from John Dennison, who was in Jackson, Michigan, where I'm from, and his, his text just said one simple line. It said, he is with you, speaking of Christ. Now, I appreciated that at the time, but I think in reflecting on it, I appreciate it even more. And wouldn't it be great if our goal is or would be that every day we would appreciate that Jesus Christ is with us in a very real way, not physically. We're not gonna see him. We're not gonna be able to touch him as the disciples did, but spiritually and in a very real and tangible experience, know that he is with us and understand the comfort and the joy and the peace that that brings. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna start by reading some verses in Mark chapter eight, and let's read them carefully because these are not only the words of scripture, but they're the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So let's look at these verses in Mark chapter 8, and we're going to start reading in verse 31. It says that he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. So there's four things that he just told his disciples, the predictions, uh, the the. The promises that he's saying are going to take place in his life in the near future. Four things. Now, some people will say he told his disciples these 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 things at least three times. Some will say that there were five references in the book of Matthew that he makes before his suffering. But here is the first one, at least, in the book of Mark, and he's telling his disciples there are four things that are going to happen to me. He's going to suffer many things he's going to be rejected, he's going to be killed, and then he's going to rise from the dead after three days. Now, we know that the disciples didn't understand this uh, completely or perfectly, even by the response that we're not necessarily going to read right now. But there were several times the disciples just left his, his teaching confused. They didn't understand completely, Um, or fully. And there was even one point where it says they were even afraid to ask him what he meant. So there wasn't a whole lot of understanding here in these verses, even though the next verse, 32, begins by saying, he spoke this word openly, or another translation says, he said it plainly. The ESV says, he said, he said it plainly. So he was, he was trying to get this message across in a very clear way that there were four things that were going to happen to him. And let's take note of those today. May they be a blessing to you. The first one is that he was going to suffer many things. He is going to suffer. That is an amazing statement when we consider who it is that's saying them. And that's what happens in the verses previous to this. Now listen to this question. He's talking to his disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? And they go into saying, Well, some say you're this. And some say you're that, but then he pauses. And I want, I would like you to pause right now too and put yourself in that scenario. And the Lord Jesus looks at his disciples, likely in the eyes, right to their face and gazing at them, he says, and and who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he starts looking at them one by one. Now I want you, if you could, put yourself in that scenario where you're, where you're jogging or riding on your mower or driving in your car, um, if appropriate, I would like you to right now answer that question. Who is he? Who is he? I mean, that's going to make a massive difference in your day. If the person that you know as your savior is the son of God, if you're responding, he is the son of God he's the Christ, he's my Savior, then those are going to be life-changing, day-changing words that come out of our mouths. And so I'm going to ask you to actually acknowledge right now, who is Jesus Christ? And now if we really believe that he is the Son of God, the perfect, sinless, righteous, holy, pure Son of God, to, for him to say that he's going to suffer many things, that puts it on a whole new perspective. Now, when the Lord Jesus, when he came into this world, uh, he could have come uh, and experienced an excellent life. Now, I want you to think about what an excellent life looks like for just a moment. If, if you were to say, this is what really everyone wants to have, where uh, all the bills are paid, uh, the car is not needing to be repaired, uh, money's coming in. Uh, Everyone likes me, Uh, no one is sick, and my job is going great. I'm getting all the promotions, I've got plenty of money set up for retirement, Uh, everything in the house is is working and in right order, Uh, everything is just going well, and everything that I want to have happen is happening, and everything that I'd like to see happen has taken place as well. That would be an ideal life, that would be exceptional living in our minds. Now, even if the Lord Jesus came down from heaven and experienced exceptional living or an an extraordinary lifestyle, I'm going to suggest, and I think that you would agree, that even that in itself would have been, in that sense, suffering for him. Because consider where he came from, he came from heaven. He came from the presence of, of God, anyway. And in heaven, and in, in the presence of God, we know that there's no sickness, there's no sadness, there's no pain. Uh, we know how great all that is. And if, even if he were to come into this world and experience exceptional life, in that sense, exceptional life would have been suffering for him. But we know, and this is, this is humbling, This is something that causes us to praise and worship. As we think about the words of Philippians chapter 2, we know that he came even lower than that. He took upon himself the form of a servant. We know where he was born. We know where he grew up. Born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth. We know that he was the carpenter's son. I mean, that's some of the things that they said against him. Uh, And and we know that he came so low, a life of humility, a life of poverty a life of of real suffering. He said that he was going to suffer many things and he is not yet even at the cross yet because he says he's going to be he's going to suffer many things. He's going to be rejected and then he's going to be killed. Now the reality is that suffering while he's likely talking about what's coming up at the crucifixion, but his life itself was suffering in that he he experienced for the first time in his in his eternal existence he would have experienced what it's like to be tired exhausted so exhausted he would have known what it's like to experience real hunger and real thirst and we say these things because we need we i need to be reminded that he is not a, a savior who is far away um, up in heaven having done what he has come to accomplish and then left the scene but he in that in a very real sense he is with us and he understands us and we can have that comfort and that joy now the lord jesus never had cancer he never had to go through something like chemotherapy he never lost a child or lost a loved one from his immediate family but we can be certain that he can still understand and sympathize with those of us who go through those things so he never had cancer. He never uh, had to go through the anticipation of of wondering what uh, the next scan might bring or what the next test results might bring. But he did know. He did know what it was like to anticipate the coming suffering, to to know what it was to anticipate his death. He he was in the garden praying, and even as he's praying, he's praying with such intensity that he's sweating. And within his sweat, there are great drops of blood. He knows what it's like to go through the agony of anticipation. And if you've had cancer, or you know someone has had cancer, that anticipation of what's gonna happen next, what's the pain gonna be like? What's the process like? What's the impending possible death going to be like? The Lord Jesus knows what it's like to go through some of those thoughts and those feelings. And in a very real way, he can sympathize with those things. And that brings us comfort that our Savior put skin on, as some people have described it. He was a real man, a human, 100% God, but 100% human. And that brings us great comfort to know that he is a Savior who knows and he never had to go through chemotherapy he never had to experience that where they're they're putting the the toxins inside of you and it's doing its work and but he does know what it's like to be exhausted we already said that we know he he was so exhausted at times if you remember he would go into the bottom of a ship and fall asleep even in a great storm and yes it was because he was at peace but there was also the physical exhaustion that he would feel and we know that he experienced Uh, amounts of suffering that we can't wrap our minds around when we think about the cross that he was going to endure. And so he knew what it was like to go through suffering. Think about the words of the psalm. It was as if every bone was out of joint, the tremendous suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he never knew what it was to lose a child. And yet, if you were to read those words again in John, where he comes to the grave of Lazarus, And he is so moved, it says that he sighed deeply within himself and he weeps. It's not just a single tear that comes down his face, but he is weeping and he understands the sorrow and the pain that's associated with losing a loved one. Our Savior knows us and knows our experience in that he was 100% human without sin, but he is with us. And he tell, he tells his disciples that he's going to suffer many things what an amazing statement to think that he took upon himself the form of a servant that he was made in the likeness of men that he humbled himself in obedience unto death even the death of the cross it is true that he suffered many things the second thing he tells them is that he's going to be rejected Now, many of us know what it's like to to be in some senses rejected, but perhaps not to the level of the Lord Jesus. People might reject our ideas or uh, in some cases reject who we are as a person, but the rejection of the Lord Jesus was in public often. It was directly to his face. When you think about those Those religious leaders who rejected him in front of everyone and said, by whose authority are you doing these things? And calling into question who he really was, blaspheming against him and against the Holy Spirit and saying that he was doing these things by by the demons themselves because that's really who he was. The way in which he was rejected was not just a casual, passive-aggressive, uh, say something and walk away, but these people rejected him to his face. He suffered many things. He was rejected. But here's here's the third one, and this is um, the one that I really would like to focus on for a few minutes. He was killed. Now again, depending on where you're at today, um, I, I think this is a useful uh, a useful activity. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take the palm of my hand, and I'd like you to do the same, if that's possible. If you're driving and it's not safe, don't do it. Maybe you can do it another time. But I want you to take a look at your hand right now. Everyone pause and take a look at their hand. Now remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, being fully human, of course, had a hand that was nailed to the cross. If you could take just a moment and envision, where would that nail have gone in? If you're you're looking at your hand right now, where would that nail have gone in when he was crucified, when he was killed? And then what I'd like you to do is take your finger and press on that spot on your hand. Now, don't just press with the with the soft part of your finger, but actually use the part, like like tip it up so that your nail presses into your hand. And I, I of course, I don't want you to hurt yourself, but press firmly, firmly enough that it, it it's uncomfortable. It causes discomfort to have that nail pressed into your hand, and I want you to hold it as we talk about the next few things. You should be able to notice that there is a sensation there on your hand and again I want you to press firmly and hard don't don't press too hard but but we want to we want to feel it and it should be uncomfortable so as you're pressing on your hand I want to talk for a few minutes about the suffering of the Lord Jesus and keep it pressed until until we're done with these words now you know that just recently uh, there was there's been quite an outcry and outpouring of of protests it resulting from the death of, of a man who uh, was crying out and was uh, bearing the weight of, of another man on him for a significant period of time to the point that he, that he died. And he's crying out and he's saying, I can't breathe. And he's calling out for his mother. Now keep your finger pressed on your hand as we're describing these things. It should become increasingly uncomfortable and that sensation should not should not be good but we're going to talk about that in just a second. Now this man who who had died and and there's been so much civil unrest as a result of it. He was bearing the weight of one man and he was crying out. I can't help but think of the Lord Jesus as he is hanging on a cross. And the Bible tells us that he cried out. He cried out at least 7 times before he died. And he was under intense pain. And he was not bearing the weight. He was not bearing the weight of a single man, as bad as that is. But he was bearing the weight of our sin, of my sin, of Josh Smith's sin, of your sin, of every sin that's ever been committed, of every sin that has was taking place at that specific time, of every sin that would would ever happen. The weight of the responsibility and the consequence and the payment of that sin was weighing on him. Now, we've been pressing on our hands for just about a minute and a half to two minutes. And at least as I'm doing this podcast, it's it's quite uncomfortable on my hand. He bore that weight for six hours on a cross as he was killed. For six hours, he felt the pain, felt the punishment as he bore our sins In his own body on the tree for six hours he hung three hours in darkness as the lord laid on him the iniquity of us all now i want you to look at your hand and take your finger off and take a look now in my hand i see quite an impression because this is the fourth thing that the lord jesus said was going to happen that not only was he going to be killed that he was going to rise from the dead now look at your hand uh, we've got a mark in our hand we've got a an impression from the finger and the nail of our of our finger that we were pressing on for just a couple of minutes when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead as he said he would that fourth thing that he told them plainly would happen he showed them his hands and his feet he did rise from the dead he did come back on the third day and as he showed them his hands there weren't just marks there there were wounds. Wounds in both hands, wounds in his feet, a wound in his side that we haven't talked about but but you know of. He was wounded for our transgressions. Look at your hand as we say these things. Again, I've got I still have the imprint in my hand from where I've been pressing firmly. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed this is the savior that we recognize as the one who suffered many things who was rejected who was killed and who rose again on the third day now i'm going to ask you a question right now was all that for nothing why did all that happen there's many reasons for that but one of the most important reasons for me personally is that when he suffered and when he died, he paid for my sin. The Son of God, I'm going to quote Paul, who said, He loved me and he gave himself for me. What a Savior. What a God who would plan something like that. One who would suffer many things and in doing so can sympathize with us and we know that he is with us and we know that he understands what we go through. Every one of us who hears this message right now can understand and can know with with assurance that he understands what you are going through right now. While he hasn't experienced every single one of those things, he knows in a similar way what it's like to experience those thoughts, those emotions, and in most ways, the sufferings that we go through. He was rejected. He was killed. And he rose from the dead. I pray that these words would be a blessing to you and that these thoughts and considerations about the Lord Jesus and about his death and his suffering and his resurrection and those wounds and the marks I can still see on my hand even now. His wounds are going to be eternal and we're going to one day worship at the feet bearing those wounds when we see him and be able to say thank you for what you've done. May God bless these thoughts to us today.